electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Bring in show music, please. This is Squawk Pod. I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on our podcast, we're on plein air. It's also humid out here, though, I will say. My hair is getting bigger by the minute. Becky Quick sits down outside with CEO Target, Brian Cornell. We're getting dressed up again. It's nice to wear a suit and tie today and sit here with you in person in New York City. They're talking consumers. That's you and me as we head into back to school, Halloween and holiday seasons. America, we're more cautious right now with the Delta variant, but... I'm seeing a very resilient consumer who's physically out shopping and trying to get back to life. And we all need a boost now and then. What's next for the vaccinated population with Dr. Scott Gottlieb? We're now two variants removed from the original strain on which these vaccines were based. It's it's good news that the vaccines still cover that, but they don't cover it quite as well. Those stories and mask mandates in the air. And we're tracking Chinese tech giants. We're TikToking. Well, we're not, actually. You are dating yourself. Again. It's Wednesday, August 18th, 2021. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand back you by in three, two, one, cue please. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin, and uh, we're live at the crossroads of, of the world. Joe is every morning, but right now I'm outside at the crossroads of the world, sitting at uh, Times Square this morning, where we are awaiting Brian Cornell, who we'll be speaking with a little later this morning. Yesterday was a down day for the markets, and it was a, a rare down day. It was the first day in the five sessions that we'd seen down days for both the S&P and the Dow. They broke five-day winning streaks yesterday. S&P was off by 0.7%, and it may not sound like a lot, but just to put things in perspective, that's the worst performance that we've seen for the S&P in, in a month's time. That's a nice shot uh, up there, Becky, that uh, that you have there. I broke my Thank you. You're, <laughs> you're very welcome. You did very well setting up that shot. It's, it's a real beauty. Uh, and it's me. a nice night. <laughs> it, or, it, nice night. Uh, it still is night. But it's, it, it's a nice morning. Yeah, it's a nice it's a nice morning uh, for this. Uh, elsewhere, there, there is an announcement from the Biden administration expected today uh, unveiling the COVID vaccine booster program. Officials are expected to call for a third COVID vaccine shot for Americans who were fully vaccinated with the Pfizer or the Moderna jab. And it would be about eight months after this second dose. I did the math. I'm not that far off. I'm, that's October. That would be October. I quickly deduced February is two plus eight is ten. So the uh, we're always good at math. I was always good at math. You're right. I was always good at math. So, and then supposedly you heard Borla said, then you you like got some serious uh, arsenal antibody arsenal, which uh, hey, the more antibodies I got, the, the, the happier I'll be. You know, I'm ready if this thing comes and anywhere near me. The happier the rest of us will be too. Yeah. <laughs> right. If it comes anywhere near me, back off. Anyway, the TSA has extended a federal requirement that uh, travelers wear masks on commercial flights, buses, and trains through January 18th. It's the latest a sign of concern from government agencies over the spread of the Delta variant. Airline executives say most 
Uh, passengers comply with mask requirements, but the vast majority of unruly travelers, report this year, uh, are tied to travelers who allegedly refuse to wear masks. And I saw a weird article just paging through the paper this morning. Your airlines are, are saying don't use duct tape. Uh, on uh, unruly passengers, and there's a picture of there's a picture oh, of someone. I thought you meant on masks. No, no, <laughs> no. That's that's too much, Andrew. I think I think wrapping yourself in duct tape. It, you know, I, you probably thought about that, but that that might be too much. No, this is uh, there's a picture of someone that, that they. I guess if you're really bad and you're not and you haven't landed, right? You don't know what yep. the hell else to do with. Well, what, what are you, they supposed to do? What are, what are supposed they supposed to do, to do right. with them? That's. I, I mean, know. you've seen. There was a woman who tried to open the door when they were in flight. There was a, another guy. I mean, the, 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 the level of unruliness with passengers, it's, it's not know. just people refusing to wear masks. Just Some of them have gotten up, gotten violent, and tried to do, do things they that would damage other tape. people on the plane, hurt other people. What about those? Okay, just, so what's your it, option? What are you I don't know. I don't know. It all scares me because it, it reminds me of, of, like, you know, when you find and, you know, you pull some guy over and you're looking for a bad guy and then you find those ties, you know, those those ties that you can yeah, put on. Those twisty right? ties. And, yeah. and you know exactly. And you're there's no way if if the, if you're in but one of those, you're getting here's out of the those. deal. Yeah. You have flight attendants who are expected to be the bouncers of the air. And that's a little ridiculous. I mean, what are they supposed to do at that point? I agree. I agree. I know. You know, if someone brings a baby in first class, uh, I don't know how you you don't get unruly, though. That's that's my only point. That a lot of times uh, some unruliness is justified. Andrew, uh, am I right? Never, never, okay. never. Just, <laughs> Even just with put the baby your ear, in first. Just put your earplugs in. Put your headphones on. Oh well, that's what, a new. But what's the what new they, you? The new improved Andrew. That's good. That is guys. What's what we said to you all along? Put in your your headphones if, and if and not, turn up. but hold on. If not duct tape, what's the answer? I don't know. That's very good. Uh, what kind of there, they, anything that you're talking about restraints. So does it really matter Scotch whether tape it's isn't going to do it, whether it's uh, those other scary things that, uh, you know, serial killers use? I don't know. I don't know what you use. We're not going to solve this. I don't think but. the airline's got a lot of issues. <laughs> they got a lot of issues uh, to try and figure out. I wanted to ask you, Sorkin. So New York now you need to card. What about the fake cards? Yep. Do they have a better online method now that's standardized that that we can use in a lot of different cities for restaurants asking for vaccines what yeah what so is- my understanding is, is you're supposed to use this excelsior pass which is a, which is basically uh, an app on your phone you really can't fake it because what happens is you have to put your information in it actually gives you a little bit of a quiz to figure out whether you're really you whether you know what hospital or doctor you went to to get it which one you got on what date you got you know it asks these questions and then it effectively creates a QR code. So, but at the same time, I do think you can show your physical card. So maybe people will, will go around with fake ones. I think that's not a New York uh, City problem, fake IDs on this, on this score. Could turn out to be one in Texas, but not, not in New York. Because so many, I don't, what, what, what do you mean? I'm just, I, I, th- I, I think if you, if you go out in the streets of New York right now, there are a lot of people wearing masks. I don't think it's a, it's, I, I think as a city, as a group, you know, it's a much more, I don't want to say compliant group, but I think actually given what the city went through so early on in the pandemic, that there, there's still such a muscle memory from that whole situation and, that people are not fight. I don't think you're, there's, there's a, a mask fighting, uh, vax fighting situation in New York Texas. You're just, relative that's, that's to nice, other places but. in the country.
I just well, I wondered if that's real. That's a total slam against the, the people. That. It's kind of a, a stereotypical slam, too. I don't know whether you should be. I, against the state of Texas? Well, just to say that we're honest I here mean, in New York and we won't cheat on our cards, but I certainly wouldn't trust the people of Texas to do this. I don't know. I just, the vaccination I, 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 know I would just make a the vaccination rate like that. The vaccination rate. First no, of all, they won't uh, well, ever, they're different. not going to have a requirement. They're not going to have a requirement. I don't Okay. But, you know, we could talk about Governor Abbott if you'd like. So, you know. Well, it, it's, are you guilting him for, for getting it? Not, what, what, what do you mean? What, what do you want to say about him? He's double vaxxed, right? Did, but yes, he did something but I, wrong. But I think one of, the things, one of the things we've learned about this pandemic, and specifically this Delta variant, is that just being double vaxxed unto itself these days, un- unfortunately, is oftentimes not enough. And I, unfortunately, uh, he became a victim of that. I, I honestly wish his health very, very well. But well, he's clearly, I think the decisions I mean, he, that he made... The decisions yeah. he made on behalf of, of, of school children and teachers and, all, and, and the citizens of that state, I would argue to you, uh, it has been a disservice. But th- that's my own view. And, and I guess DeSantis. Yeah, I, know, I figured that. Okay. All right. I don't, I, it's like the last thing I want to even talk to you about. Anyway, to take us out of here. Coming up on Squawk Pod, Target, selling, growing, and investing big, starting with their employees. CEO Brian Cornell tells us how he's doing it, from bonuses for frontline workers to paying for higher education. We think we can change lives by investing in education, and it's just one more way for us to invest in our team and give them an opportunity for rewarding careers at Target. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Welcome back to Squawk Pod from CNBC. Today, we're outside in New York City. Actually, above New York City, above Times Square. Becky Quick, for an in-person interview, sat on the terrace at the NASDAQ market site with the CEO of Target, Brian Cornell. It's a big earnings week for retailers. Big box retail had a very successful year during the pandemic as an essential service. Target, in particular, has seen strong numbers. The chain invested in safety in stores and an omni-channel, which sounds cool. That's digital integrations, e-commerce, and in-person experiences, as well as any combination. So many, many ways to actually get the products that you're buying. And when shoppers stayed home, those investments paid off. For its second quarter this year, Target's financials blew past Wall Street's estimates. Sales rose in every single merchandise category, from grocery to apparel. Net income rose, too, and so did revenue. That was up 9.5% from last year, when we were all ordering toilet paper and sanitizer and snacks in bulk. CEO Brian Cornell broke down Target's pandemic strategy with Becky on that terrace. Here she is. These are incredibly strong numbers, and yet the stock's selling off. What do you think about that? Well... I, I can't tell you what's happening this morning, but I do know, Becky, you know, the teams delivered really strong results. As I look at the second quarter, you know, we delivered growth on top of growth. And we've been doing that consistently for years now. So really strong traffic in our stores, great store comps, really solid digital performance. 
See, we're putting a eight, nine comp in the quarter on top of 24% last year. And that was historically high. Right, so like what do people I expect, feel, right? <laughs> I feel really, really good about our performance. You said that a lot of this is coming back. Uh, comparable store sales growth, comparable sales growth, I should say, was driven entirely by traffic. What are you seeing in the stores? Well, store traffic and traffic overall grew by almost 13%. So clearly, consumers are back out. They're physically shopping in stores. They're inside a Target each and every day. And traffic was the driver behind our growth this quarter. And it has been for a while. So I think the investments we made during the pandemic in safety and really making sure we provided our guests with a safe shopping experience, we built trust and the guests continues to reward us. You know, they're in our stores, they're still using our digital channel. And I thought our second quarter was perhaps one of the best in retail. Let's let me poke at just a couple of things and you tell me a little bit about it. Digital comp store sales or digital comparable sales were up by 10 percent. People have gotten used to last year's 195 percent growth in that range. Yeah, the two year stack looks pretty good. Right. So is there anything that you see that concerns you? I, I guess let me just poke at something else. Somebody said, OK, Joe was pointing out that the average transaction was down a little bit. Does that mean people are spending less or does that mean they're coming in more frequently and, yeah. and that's what's happening? I'll go back to, I mean, with traffic up 13 percent, they're just seeing us more often. And I think Americans are out. They're physically shopping in stores. So they're inside of our stores more frequently. They're shopping all of our categories. I mean, we saw growth across all five of our key merchandising categories. And, you know, that digital number up 10 percent on top of 195 last year. But the same day services drive up and pick up and ship, they were up 55 percent. So they're still growing and we're still seeing great traction and use of those services. You know, there are a lot of people who are wondering how things are doing in the current quarter just because we've seen this Delta variant grow a little bit. Is that slowing the consumer at all? Becky, we're off to a really strong start in this quarter. And a lot of it is back to school shopping and back to college shopping. And we're a destination for back to school and back to college. So the quarter's off to a really strong start. So we're not seeing any slowdown in our momentum. So it's not a behavior change from the consumer Not at, at all. Point. Now, I think America, you know, we're more cautious right now with the Delta variant, but I'm seeing a very resilient consumer who's physically out shopping and trying to get back to life. And they're getting ready for back to school and back to college. We think they're going to go back to celebrating Halloween. And I know as we talk to consumers, they're excited about the holiday season. Now, they'll be cautious, but they want to get together with friends and family. So we're expecting a strong holiday season, and we're continuing to see you know, really strong growth in our business. There have been people who said, if you want to buy your holiday gifts, you basically had to buy them yesterday because it's going to be really hard to keep the store shelves stocked this year, especially with all the problems that we've seen in China and the supply chain and other issues. Is that the case? Well, our team has done a terrific job of really maneuvering through this challenging environment. If you look at our report, our inventory was up $2.5 billion. So we're getting access to that inventory. You know, our stores are at this point ready for the school season, the college season, and we'll be ready for the holidays. So you already have this stuff. You're not worried about it. We've got a lot it. of inventory flowing our way right now. In terms of how you get that inventory, is it more costly? Is it more difficult? I'm sure it's more difficult, but is it costing you more? Is it going to hurt margins? And that's yeah. with the margin in guidance. Our given. size and scale, the relationships we have with our vendor partners is certainly a benefit right now. But we continue to focus on delivering great value. If you look at our back to school assortment, 80% of it is priced under $10. And lots of items are under a dollar. So we're continuing to focus on making sure 
in this environment, we deliver great value. The assortment is affordable, and we're making sure that we're walking hand in hand with the guests as they get ready for back to school. A year ago, the things that were hot items were things like hand sanitizers um, and maybe backyard pools, things like that. What are the hot items right now? Well, we saw, obviously, big growth in apparel as America goes back to restaurants and out shopping um, in our stores. But we're seeing, obviously, more backpacks and lunch boxes because kids are expected to go back to a classroom. And I think they're excited to go back to school. So, you know, those key items for back to school that you would traditionally buy, well, they're back in the basket right now. So we're seeing apparel grow, kids apparel, because you need a uniform to go back to school in many cases. So all those traditional items are clearly, you know, back in the basket. Is it different apparel? I remember a year, maybe longer ago, it was things like pajamas and workout clothes and socks that people were buying. Now, now what, besides school yeah, uniforms? You're seeing more ready to wear. Yeah. And, you know, we're getting dressed up again. It's nice to wear a suit and tie today and sit here with you in person in New York City. So I think we're all anxious to get back to, you know, back to life. Brian, one of the things that you've done is some new partnerships, like the Ulta stores. I think you opened 50 store within a stores for Ulta this, this week. How, how is that going so far? Well, early reaction has been fabulous. And we'll open 100 this month and many, many more in years to come. But, you know, those partnerships are so important. And whether it's the partnerships with Disney and Apple, what we've done with Levi's, and now this exciting new partnership with Ulta Beauty, that's part of what's driving traffic to our stores and visits to our site. So we're really excited. I've got to get you out to one of those stores so you can see what Ulta Beauty looks like inside of a Target. Another issue a lot of people have had issues with is just trying to get enough people into work. Um, you rolled out some really new initiatives where you're doing things like paying for college for, for your associates. And I have to say, my kids even asked about this, like, what's the catch? What, what happens? How does it work? Becky, I'll go back to conversations you and I started having years ago about the investments we were making in our business. And obviously, we put a lot of capital into stores. We've built new stores. We've advanced our fulfillment services. So you have things like drive up and pick up. But the biggest investment we've made, and the most important one, was in our team. And we made a commitment back in 2017 to get to a starting minimum wage of $15. Well, we've certainly done that. You know, during the pandemic, we've consistently been paying bonuses to our team. Just a couple of weeks ago, we provided another $200 bonus to all of our frontline team members. Now, another $75 million investment. And then we talked about this important investment in education, which I think can change lives. Giving our team an opportunity to go back and get that high school degree, take college courses, even invest in a master's program. So we think we can change lives by investing in education. And it's just one more way for us to invest in our team and give them an opportunity for rewarding careers at Target. Is it hard to find people to work though right now? I think the investments we've made over time have really built great loyalty and great engagement. I mean, our retention numbers are at an all time high. We're not seeing the turnover. And I think it's because we've invested in our team. I think the culture that we have in place one of really caring and providing growth opportunities and winning and working together, you know, that's really connecting with our team. So we haven't had labor problems and we're seeing a team that's really engaged and they like to win. So when we're seeing traffic in our stores and you deliver the kind of comp results we're delivering, you know, that team feels really good about it and they should be proud. You know, all the results are a byproduct of the work our team does each and every day in our stores, in our DCs, in our fulfillment channels. So this is a team effort. And I think we're building great engagement because of the investments we make in our team. How do you manage inflation? We see it everywhere in, in 
you know, even groceries and shipping costs across the board. How, how do you manage that and what kind of impact is that having? Yeah, it's work we do each and every day and our multi-category portfolio is a real benefit for us. You know, we've got great partnerships with our national vendors. We've also got a great own brand portfolio. We're in apparel, we're in home, we're in electronics and toys. We've got a great essentials business and food and beverage. So we try to make sure we're continuing to provide value to our guests and looking at all those levers to make sure each and every time you shop at Target, you know, the value's there and you feel really good about engaging with our team. All right, Brian, I just threw a list of worries that the market focuses on every day, everything from COVID to inflation to labor shortages. Uh, is there anything you worry about? Because you don't seem yeah. particularly concerned about yeah. any of those. Becky, right? I worry about all those. Yeah. So, you know, I wake up every day with a list of worries and I worry about COVID. I mean, we put together a task force all the way back in January of 2020. We meet almost every day to talk about what's happening with COVID state by state and across the globe. You know, I meet with our team to make sure that we're getting you know, the right value embedded in our offering. We worry about all these variables, but I feel really good about our strategy, the capabilities we have in place, and the experience of our team. And I think that gives me great confidence that we'll continue to perform well through the balance of this year and into next year. That's great. Brian, I want to thank you for your time today. We it's really appreciate it. It's always good to you. see you. And it's nice to see you in person. Thank you. One observation just about being on the roof, guys. Um, anybody who says New York City's not back, um, I can hear the traffic. It's more than you think. Um, there's a lot of it taking place out there. So, uh, you know, Joe, I know you're looking at it. I'm up above, uh, and boy, I've you can hear I've seen a couple it. of things it's, today that, that uh, made me wish I was up on a rooftop. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's a oh lot. Oh, boy, what the, happened? What I oh missed? Oh, no, just, you know, naked people and uh, just just Times Square, Times Square type yeah. stuff. That, not that there's anything wrong with that. Yeah. Not that there's anything. You know, some people uh, might not it's also, necessarily want to It's also humid out here, though, I will say. Yeah. My hair is getting bigger by the minute, but uh, yeah, it is. Okay. Yeah, you, you that's are. The that, that's for okay, you. though. That's a, we 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 like <laughs> a lot of men back. would a lot of men would would hope for that, Becky, that their hair would get a little bit bigger. Especially Jersey guys like you, Joe. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. With the mullet, we go for the big hair. Coming up next on Squawk Pod, who needs a booster vaccine and why? Former FDA Commissioner Dr. Scott Gottlieb with the answers. There's two things going on here. On the one hand, you do have some indication of declining vaccine efficacy over time. You also have a raging epidemic with a much more contagious variant. We'll be right back. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Stand under by. You're listening Three, to Squawk One, two, Ander. Good morning and welcome back to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. I'm Andrew Ross Sorkin along with Becky Quick and Joe Kernan. The Chinese cracking down on tech companies. It is taking a toll. The world's largest chip maker, Taiwan Semiconductor, has now overtaken Tencent to become Asia's most valuable firm. China's regulatory crackdown in just the past few months slamming the valuations of Tencent and Alibaba while chipmaker stocks have been gaining amid the global shortage. As of this morning, Taiwan Semi had uh, a market cap of $538 billion. That's followed by Tencent at $536 billion and Alibaba with $472 billion. And Alibaba's shares dropped nearly 5% just yesterday, hitting its lowest level 
since October of 2019. So you could, uh, you know, you, Joe, we always talk about whether you're, you're missing the train or the train's left the station. You, it's like the train went backwards. So get in know. if you think it's an opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that, that train, Andrew, I don't, it's gone around the world a couple of times. You remember where we were? We were like 2,200, I think, or, or maybe 18. I don't, I don't remember where we were. On the I'm S&P, just saying if you wanted to get on the Alibaba train, you can get into a time If you want to get on the Alibaba train, you can get into a time machine today and pretend you're in 2019. So The last time that happened, Superman had to fly around uh, backwards to bring um, Remember Margot Kidder you're back to life. Again? Again? So who's the new... (laughs) Meantime, we've we've got this other piece of news for you this morning. (laughs) Republican Senator Marco Rubio renewing his call for TikTok to be banned in the United States. The senator calling on the Biden administration to make that move following reports that the Chinese government has acquired an ownership stake and board seats in the social media app's parent company, ByteDance. Now, in June... President Biden revoked former President Trump's 2020 executive order banning TikTok, replacing it with a process for evaluating the security risks of foreign-owned apps. But it sounds like we're going to be talking about TikTok again uh, in the context of China and potentially um, national security. Joe? Yep, we will. Becky, how, how could that not be an advantage? To have seen everything that? that all these new, these anti-boomers... To have it's seen huge, everything that the anti-boomers have seen. I've seen all the stuff that the millennials think that they, they know. I've seen all that. And the Generation X. Yep. But I've also seen all the other it, stuff. So how can that not be an advantage, Sorkin? You tell me. How is that wisdom, not? Wisdom is an advantage. They, how can they and look age with age some wisdom. How can they look askance at that and pretend, well, they know more about hoverboards. Or whatever. They oh, come on. You thought the same thing about your parents at one point. Let's you don't realize to, how smart yeah, your parents yeah, are until they get older. They, when I was going to school, uphill both ways? No, I didn't. The Biden administration is expected to call for a third COVID shot for Americans who were fully vaccinated with either the Pfizer or Moderna vaccine. This announcement would cover more than 155 million Americans and would be administered about eight months after the second dose of either vaccine. Joining us right now to talk about that and much more is Dr. Scott Gottlieb, the former FDA commissioner and a CNBC contributor. He also serves on the boards of both Pfizer and Illumina. And Scott, this isn't a huge surprise. This has kind of been telegraphed for, for several days at this point that this was coming. Uh, but, but what does this mean? How will it, and I guess more importantly, how will it practically work out? Yeah, well, it remains to be seen. There's going to be some announcement from the administration today based on what reporters are saying. There's also going to be a publication coming out of CDC that's going to look at breakthrough infections in nursing homes. Um, I haven't seen it yet. It's a morbidity and mortality weekly report, but I believe it's going to be consistent with the data that leaked to the Washington Post about a month ago, which showed rising infections among vaccinated individuals in nursing homes. Still good protection against severe disease, disease and hospitalization. But more and more breakthrough infections, which is an indication of declining immunity. You worry about that in a a high-risk population like a nursing home population. I think as the administration rolls this out, they're likely to um, recommend it, as as you said, for people who are more than eight months out from the vaccine. That's what they've said in the um, public statements that have been made so far in the press. But they're also likely to um, narrow it to people who are higher risk, so people above the age of 60, people who have high-risk medical conditions, people who live in congregate settings like nursing homes. I think that's likely to be the first tranche of individuals 
who get a booster shot. It's also, frankly, the first tranche of individuals who got the original vaccine. So those are the ones who are furthest out from their vaccination. It would also include healthcare workers, I believe, because if you remember, some of the first people to get vaccinated last December and January were healthcare workers. So they were also eight months out from their original vaccine at this point. And one final point, you know, there's two things going on here. On the one hand, you do have some indication of declining vaccine efficacy over time. And that's not surprising. We thought this might become an annual vaccination or some kind of semi-regular vaccine. You also have a raging epidemic with a much more contagious variant. We're now two uh, variants removed from the original strain on which these vaccines were based. It's, it's good news that the vaccines still cover that this new strain, but they don't cover it quite as well. And so you have those two things colliding right now. Hey, Scott, uh, the thing that frustrates me the most is this mixed message that seems to be coming from the administration, which is get out and get vaccinated. If you're vaccinated, you're safe. If you're not vaccinated, you are a sitting duck. You are dealing with a highly uh, transmissible disease and a worse variant, as you mentioned on all of these things. But by the way, if you're 12 or under, we're going to take our time looking at when you can get vaccinated. That is beyond frustrating to a parent of, of two kids under the age of 12. And people can get mad and say, I don't want my kid to get the vaccine. That's fine. I want my kids to get the vaccine, especially because one of my children is at higher risk. When can I get my kids vaccinated so that they can all go back to their regular lives? Yeah, look, this is the challenge. FDA is going to be cautious about putting the vaccine in a younger population, and they've asked for more data, longer and larger trials related to the pediatric vaccine. I still think this is going to be probably a mid to late winter event in terms of the authorization or approval, more likely, for the vaccine from 5 to 11 um, but the agency might make an earlier decision if they start seeing widespread infections among kids and kids getting in trouble with this infection. So far, we don't believe that this Delta variant is more dangerous in children. The reason why you're seeing rising hospitalizations in kids in the South is probably a function of the fact that we're infecting many more kids with the virus at this point. Um, the proportion of kids getting in trouble probably hasn't risen appreciably, if it's risen at all. We're not really detecting that, but you're probably having many more kids getting infected. Look, kids are at risk when they go back to school this fall. There's no question about that. We want to do everything we can to prevent outbreaks in that school setting and keep schools open. And this is why I think municipalities and states shouldn't be tying hands behind people's back in terms of trying to take mitigation in the schools to prevent infection, prevent and spread in the schools. We need to go into the school year with a sense of humility about what we don't know about this Delta variant and the ability to control it in the school setting and use tools like masks, like keeping kids in defined social pods, like distancing, like trying to improve airflow and ventilation. So, Scott, um, the, the figure is, is 0.1% for breakthroughs. That's one out of 1,000. I have a follow-up question. I'm just wondering what the real, what you would think that the real rate uh, is since no one, you know, it's asymptomatic among the breakthrough cases. So one out of a thousand, you think it's one out of a hundred? You think it's ten times higher if we were to test everyone? Just a quick yes or yeah. Even when we more. look at the the right, when you look at that point one percent, you're looking at the number of people who are known to have been vaccinated who've gotten infected mm-hmm. over the denominator of the total population who's been infected. So what, but if you look you at a point estimate of and, and then I want that's what I mean. That's and I just want to follow up. Yeah, I think it's it, frankly, it's impossible to say because okay. the CDC isn't collecting or reporting data on this question. But it's high. It's higher than that. Look, I think the infection rate among vaccine individuals is, is a lot lower than those who are unvaccinated. Certainly the rate of people who are being hospitalized and getting in trouble among the vaccinated is a lot lower. Right. You know, CDC is not collecting or reporting good data. But when I talk to doctors in hospitals and I ask them among their senses, what percentage 
of people in the hospital are vaccinated. They say about 90 percent of the people that they're admitting. And this is anecdotal. I'm calling around the hospital. They say about 90 percent of the people they're admitting are unvaccinated. The people who are vaccinated and getting admitted are older individuals who have health conditions that put them at risk. And in the ICU... I was right. just trying to preface it to get to a, a, an additional point. We're not going to have time. I didn't want, uh, you know, I didn't, I, I understand what you're saying. I just want, I know it's much higher. I don't understand the pathology of a disease where you're asymptomatic and yet have the same levels of virus uh, as someone who's not unvaccinated. How does the body work where you don't get sick but could be fully infected in terms of viral load, just like somebody who is sick? Is, uh, do the B cells not prevent replication of the virus, they just prevent you from getting, uh, the antibodies just prevent you from getting sick, or are viral levels much lower? Could they be this, just as high as a, as a really sick person with someone who's totally asymptomatic? Well, first of all, on a nasopharyngeal swab, if someone has high viral titers, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're infected. They could be colonized with the infection. When you're measuring blood levels of virus and you see people who are vaccinated who have high blood levels, their secondary immune cells, their memory B cells, to your point, and their T cells are kicking in to fight that infection and prevent them from becoming diseased, from becoming symptomatic. So you could be transiently infected with a virus and fight it off very successfully and never really develop symptoms. That's probably what's happening in a lot of these cases of vaccinated individuals. Dr. Gottlieb, real quick, um, in terms of people who will get this third booster, um, it will hopefully protect against death and hospitalization. But how much do you think it's going to protect against strictly just getting the infection unto itself? Because when it comes to breakthrough cases, it does seem to be that if you if you hang around uh, in a room for hours on end, possibly in an office all day with somebody who has a breakthrough infection, even if you're vaccinated, it appears that a lot of people, at least anecdotally, are still getting it. Yeah. Well, first of all, let me preface this with an answer. It's impossible to know. We, we need that clinical data. My belief is that it's going to provide additional protection against the ability to get infected and maybe meaningful protection, even against this Delta variant, because what's, what we believe is happening is the Delta variant is creating such high virus levels early in the course of an infection that it's overwhelming declining right. levels of circulating antibodies. And that's why you see vaccinated people becoming infected. The booster seems to um, increase those circulating antibodies by five to right. tenfold. So you're getting a much higher level of antibodies in your blood. And then finally, Dr. Gottlieb, uh, we're seeing that uh, Governor Abbott has tested positive, but is taking Regeneron, even though it appears, at least he said so far, that he's asymptomatic or doesn't have symptoms. Can you speak to that? Well, look, I, I, I got asked on Twitter yesterday about this. I think it's an appropriate use of the drug. The drug's now approved for a broader indication, including prophylaxis. The governor um, is older. He's 63 years old, so he's at higher risk. He also has some underlying medical conditions that could potentially put him at higher risk. I don't know, you know, his precise medical condition, but I think it's an appropriate use of the drug. And quite frankly, I think we're underutilizing this drug on a wide-scale basis. Patients lack access to it. Providers aren't um, seeking it out. We could be helping many more patients by making much wider use of this antibody. So it sounds like if you do test positive, you should try to get Regeneron, doctor. Everyone who has any kind of risk factor who tests positive, regardless of whether they're vaccinated, should talk to their doctor about seeking out this drug. Okay, doctor, thank you. Appreciate it very, very much. That's Squawk Pod for today. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. You were always good at math. I was always good at math. You're right. On TV, tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern. Listen and follow Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Thoughts? Ideas? Want to say hi? Tweet us at Squawk CNBC or write a review on Apple Podcasts. 
that helps other listeners discover what we do on Squawk Pod every day. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.